Welcome one, welcome all to the greatest show of them all. It is the NFC East Mixtape Volume 97. We have never done a mixtape like this ever before. I can confidently say that. And if you have missed all 96 volumes before this, shame on you. Where can you access them on any one of SB Nation's NFC East blog, podcast networks? You can also watch it on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the blog and the boys YouTube channel. He is Brandon Lee Gotten from BGN. I am RJ Ochoa from BTB. And Brandon, the Philadelphia Eagles are headed to the Super Bowl. Congratulations. It's true, RJ. And it's really a huge development for the NFC East mixtape listeners, the mixologists, as you call them, because we get three more weeks, including this one, three more podcasts of in-season NFC East mixtape podcasts, as opposed to, like, imagine if, like, yeah, because this week for the Super Bowl bye. It would only be, it would week, only be two we'll weeks. lead up to the Super Bowl, and then, like, the reaction show. Oh, I got okay. so like, in there. Like, that's well, cool. Well, you said, like, get... in the regular season. That third one would technically well, be out of season. the... Per, it would be out of the, the window, yeah, but, but like, you're right. It would, it would be related about. to the season. I agree. You get what I'm talking about. As opposed to, you know, uh, oh, I don't know, they're hiring this. It's, it's It would not be very interesting otherwise, because, like, there isn't any kind of head coaching or GM hires, big, these big hires going on in the division. There's some coordinator stuff, but, like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. That's really not the same level of juice as some of the other hires would be. So I'm excited in part for just the content, but obviously very incredible that the Eagles are back in the big game for the second time since 2017. Second time in six years. Um, I got into a Twitter debate with somebody. Like, it's six years. You have to count 2017. You know what I mean? Like, you can't say, like, second time in five years because, of, like, you don't count the end point for that six Super Bowl seasons, run. I think, is the better way to phrase right, it. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, like, if they were to win, it would be two out of six, not two out of five. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Like, let's just be mathematically correct. Um, okay. We have a lot to get to. Obviously, the Eagles heading to the Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs, all that stuff. Uh, before we do, though, Brandon, we haven't read reviews in a while. We have two from the blog and the boys side of things and two from the Bleeding Green Nation side of things. Where would you like me to start? And one from Hogshaven, maybe, but you weren't sure about that. You're not that one is very strange. Um, I actually think let's build up to the Eagles ones. I'm like, I'm here to be very nice to the Eagles. Your team's in the Super Bowl. I want you to enjoy it. So I'm I, like, I'm, I'm doing the proverbial olive branch, even though we had an issue with that expression. Um, okay. So uh, from the BTB side of things, five-star rating comes to us from Joe's lunch titled best podcast for NFL's best division. Great podcast. No teams of losing records. No bad episodes. I was legitimately worried the Cowboys would end their playoff utility streak, but thankfully they came through. And now we can break out this nugget. This is an Eagles fan. If it isn't obvious. Hey, RJ, last time the Cowboys made the NFC championship, neither of the quarterbacks in this year's game were even born. Um, obviously mm. talking about uh, Jalen Hurts and at the time Brock Purdy. Um, again, we'll touch on that. Uh, there was one, and I think we both will love this, from GOB Frog, five-star rating. It is titled Stats with Three Hearts, a Red Heart, a Green Heart, and a Blue Heart, uh, and then several exclamation points. These three men, that is who I have tuned in for in all caps every week. Today's was my favorite episode of The Look Ahead. Yeah, we obviously had stats on last week uh, to preview the NFC Championship game. A bit of a bummer for him, but everybody go check out the Gold Standard Podcast Network that Stats has uh, put together. Really impressive work. Not shocking whatsoever to see Stats uh, grinding away. Uh, these days. Are you ready for the BGN ones now, Brandon? Yeah, let's see it. Okay. Uh, five-star rating from LT-Gray titled Colorado Love. It's a little bit long, so I'm going to blitz through this. Hey, Brandon and RJ, long-time listener and just wanted to say how much I have enjoyed listening to this show over the years. I moved from Philly to Northern Colorado in 2014 and have been listening to BGN since 2017. This show is my all-time favorite BGN show. 
I love being able to keep up with the news from the rest of the division and now have exactly one Cowboys fan, RJ, whose opinion I care about. Denver Sports Talk Radio is absolute trash. I only listen to make me realize how good real sports towns have it when it comes to sports media. The worst part of the pandemic was losing my morning commute when I would get to listen to BGN every day. Now I primarily listen to the NFC East mixtape because the back and forth that y'all have is awesome. P.S. I've heard the NFC East called the NFC least years before hearing it on this podcast. I've heard That's it before true. I ever even knew what a podcast is. Pick a different hill to die on, you jabronis. All the love from a group of diehard birds fans out west. Uh, finally, um, this one will be even stronger for you. I'm not a fan of it personally. Uh, from Bale the Bard, uh, five-star rating titled RJ is the most hardworking podcaster around. Bit mm. of a, you know, lull. RJ's dedication to his bit is truly outstanding. He is unwavering in his portrayal of a crybaby Cowboy fan. It is hilarious <laughs> tuning into the podcast and listening to RJ represent Cowboys fans as insufferable losers. He constantly talks over co-host whenever he can and refuses the mildest criticism. This is comedy gold. Keep on roasting Cowboys fans, RJ. I told you. I came, here, pretty... I, I came here to be kind and, and read everything and just, you know, do the song and dance. It is pretty crazy how, you know, you're an Eagles fan and you just do this bit where you pretend to be a Cowboys fan for the sake of the show and the ratings and everything. And it's, it's working out. So I'm proud of you. Uh, good job. Um, we have a lot of fun here and I think the listeners make it even more fun. So we appreciate the feedback. And again, excited to have a few more weeks here of actual in season stuff, the big game to talk about. Let me be very clear. So we yeah, obviously are going to, I don't know that you want to talk about the Chiefs. By, by the way, we will have Pete Sweeney on from Arrowhead Pride next week on the NFC's mixtape uh, to talk about the Chiefs and that side of things. Um, Pete is somebody I do another show with. I'm just, I am the hard, hardest working podcast around. I'm fine with that. I think that's a fair categorization of things. Um, but I, I want to declare this and I want every Cowboys fan to agree with me. I'm going to command you to agree with me. Eagles fans get to say whatever they want. Like they, like, and if I was an Eagles fan, I'm not. You like you should brag. You should be obnoxious. I think some people, all fan bases, take it too far sometimes. But you like your team is in the Super Bowl. Like like rub it in everybody's faces. Like if like this, we you and I say this all the time. This is what you follow sports and root for teams for. Like you should take every victory lap possible. You might lose, and so what? You got there. Cowboys haven't been there in almost thirty years. This is the Eagles. Uh, I, I tweeted this out, and I know you loved it. They have now been in the NFC Championship game. This was true a week ago. Seven times since the Cowboys last were. They have been to three Super Bowls. They've obviously won one. They may wind up winning two. And I noted this, and you said it on Monday Football Monday. They are the standard, the modern standard, within the NFC East. Maybe in the NFC overall, the Niners have a bit of a claim there. Granted, they haven't won a Super Bowl. Um, but they are the modern standard. I know the Giants have won two Super Bowls, but they were both fluky. Like They, they, they don't have this sustained level of success the way that the Eagles do, although part of it coming with the head coach who they will face off against next Sunday. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, discourse, it seems, about how the Eagles have this fortunate path to be here or whatever, which honestly, um, I'm not really it's, putting... It's objectively fair. I mean, but who cares? You know what I mean? It, but it is a fair I, thing to say. I mean, they play in a division, as we noted earlier in the review, that didn't have a team with a losing record. Like, they played in arguably the best division in the but NFL. But those were two of their so three that. losses, to your to your point. I won't interrupt, but like... Again. Okay, but still, but I'm saying, like, it's not like this is, like guess, they had a total cake schedule the whole time. They just beat... They, they Not that only did they beat, they destroyed two teams where the, the coaches of those two teams are the two of the three finalists for coach of the year. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like... Uh, so whatever. 
Um, I'm not going to say like they're getting disrespected because I think that's really not the case. I think some of that discourse is a little weak to me because, um, again, as like I said on Monday, Football Monday, and like I said just now, they're destroying these teams. This is like historical. This is historical domination, what they're doing. And, again, what they did to the 49ers in terms of knocking their quarterbacks out of the game, that wasn't just like luck. They were hitting them and being physical. They have the like, most ferocious pass rush in the NFL. That's going to happen. They're going to knock out other quarterbacks. Like, that's that's part of the game. They weren't like doing it illegally in like a cheap shot or some kind of weird fluke play. Um, they, were, they were physical. They're a physical team. So uh, they deserve to be here. I guess maybe I'm I'm more subdued than I thought I would be. Like I'm not if you're not watching the podcast on YouTube, which you should check out on either the Booting Green Nation or Vlogging the Boys YouTube channel. I'm not like smiling like I was last week um, when the Cowboys were eliminated because obviously you know I enjoyed that more uh, for your bit. But it's um, your bit actually, not mine. But go ahead. It's just about that the season. Like it's about winning the Super Bowl. So I guess that's part of it. Like this team has been so great. So I expected them to be here, especially when they won the number one seed. I expected this. Now you have to go out and beat the, the Kansas City Chiefs. So at some point we have to do an episode that's just titled Multiple Things Can Be True because I think this is a case for multiple things that's can every be true. Episode. Right. But like, so one true thing is the Eagles schedule is not the most formidable one, formidable one of all time. Okay, cool. Another potentially true thing is that they might win the Super Bowl. Like, does anybody care? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it still Eagles, counts. Does it count? No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, Eagles fans are like, a, like the Eagles in general are a great example of like, who cares? Like, does it matter? At the time, if it was fun to make fun of, but like, th- does any Eagles fan look back and be like, oh man, we didn't win the Super Bowl with our franchise quarterback, well, you know, winning MVP of the game? Who cares? You won the Super Bowl. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do do you think Broncos fans care that when they won the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning was like a shell of himself? No, they won the Super Bowl with mm-hmm. Peyton Manning. Do you think that Rams fans care that they had the worst title defense of all time? <laughs> right. No, because they won the Super Bowl. And so, they like, don't have who- right, that's true too. Um, so like, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, like it's the ultimate multiple things could be true. I think that I think where maybe the discourse is coming from on a national level, because I, I am kind of stunned personally at the amount of like take dumb that there is that, you know, the Eagles haven't played anybody. I think people feel robbed and that's not the Eagles fault. I just think, think people were like bummed that like we, we didn't get to see what looked like a great NFC championship game on paper. So it just feels I don't I don't mean inauthentic that the Eagles they, they deserved it. They blasted the Niners. They, they totally deserve to be here. But like it just feels like, you know, fraudulent from this game standpoint. It's just like a bummer. You know what I mean? That's that's fine. Like people are allowed to feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I understand it. Um, you know, it still could have been a blowout. If Purdy doesn't get hurt for all we know, because that sure. Eagles offensive line was dominating. Like they were, they totally were crushing. True. They were just crushing. And it was like, oh, my gosh. Um, and like that's part of the. Brock Purdy went last in the draft for a reason. Like part of that reason nah, is he. We don't have to do this. No, it's, well, I'm saying it's Brock true. Purdy. Like if you look at his physical attributes, he's not a very big dude. So he might not be like the most durable guy without tiny. He's a tiny dude and he's not like super athletic. So, you know, that's a concern. That's a legitimate reason why someone like goes that late in the draft. I'm not trying to discredit what he did. I'm just saying like, there is a reason he got drafted that late. It wasn't just like a total fluke. Um, and also on the schedule point. Okay. Can we, can we look at the Chiefs schedule for a second here and point I was out going like, to do this. Where are their wins that I'm supposed to be like blown away by? Oh wow, that's incredibly impressive. They beat the Jags. Okay, the Eagles beat the Jags in the division. Like, okay, so that's a, that's a team. So, um, well, let me let me ask you this. So, so we can like set this up, like the Chiefs schedule point. What would you say? And you can include the playoffs if you want. Are the three most impressive Eagles wins? And you can define that how you want. Like from from week one to now, what are the three biggest, most authoritative wins that they have had? I mean, definitely the Vikings game in week two. 
Um, okay. You know, they, they just totally playoff. It's down. a playoff team, even though you Justin hated Jefferson. on them. But playoff team. Yeah, I mean, they weren't like amazing, but it was, it was, it was certainly a quality win. Um, right. They destroyed the Titans, who were. Um, like, I mean, they I'm not were like leading. There are a lot to choose from. I went down to the one. wire, but I mean, it's, they they destroyed them. It's thirty-five to ten, um, and uh, I'm looking else here. I mean, they also blew out the Giants, forty-eight to twenty-two. The Giants were kind of banged up in that game. It was on the road. Um, I mean, there's the Giants playoff game, thirty-eight to seven. You could pick that one instead if you want. And the Forty ers the Chiefs also beat the Forty ers <laughs> And I don't, I, I, where is that win that the Chiefs have that is so great that the Eagles don't have? Okay, you want to say this championship game against the Bengals? Okay, great. That's one game. So you're basing it all off of that one game? I mean, the Chiefs lost to the Colts. The Eagles beat the Colts. I know it was close, but they didn't lose to them. The Chiefs lost to the Bills. Chiefs lost to the Bengals in the regular season. Um, the Chiefs had to go to overtime against the Texans. The Chiefs did not cover in both games against the Broncos late in the season. Like, where are these super impressive wins that the Chiefs have that the Eagles are uh, lacking? So my answer for the Eagles, um, as far as impressive wins, I would say the Vikings, and I'm going chronologically here. Uh, the Vikings win is one of the three. Um, yeah. I would put the Cowboys win just because, I mean, they yeah. neutralized Micah Parsons. And I, I realize I'm biased, but, like, that was a Cowboys team that had caught fire. And, and they neutralized yeah, they were them. Undefe- they, undefeated they, with uh, Cooper Rush, yeah. Right. They did what they wanted to do um, against them specifically. The, I think the Titans win was the biggest, like, flex win. But, I mean, like, again, some of that is just – and I'm not taking away from it. But some of this is just the Titans. But I would put the Giants playoff win. Like, that was so boring because they killed them. You know what I mean? Like, it was so boring. Um, now, on the other hand, the Chiefs' most impressive ones, this is what I wanted to kind of get to, um, I really did not – I was not impressed by their first Chargers win, um, the one that was the Thursday Night Football debut game, remember? Yeah, um, I would argue the Chargers almost like outplayed them in that game. Right. So the first one was kind of like whatever. Uh, the Bucks win was kind of – and at the time, we still kind of thought highly of the Bucks. Um, that was, yeah. you know, really impressive, like how they kind of ran away from it. And the nine, the Chiefs I, is my lock of the week in that week. I remember that well, vividly. The Niners win was like super impressive. And I know there was the quarterback stuff, like on the yes. San Francisco side of things. And I know Christian McCaffrey was still newer, but like nobody did that to, to the sure. Niners. Like I, I know the Eagles just did, but you get my point. Like it was really like kind of holy crap. Like this is just who the Chiefs are. The, mm-hmm. the second Chargers win was a little bit quality um, to me. But yeah, I mean, and this was. It's funny now, by the way, you didn't let me crap on the Chiefs when they struggled against the Texans right after the Cowboys did, but they struggled against the Broncos barely, yeah. and then they struck. They went to overtime they didn't cover against the, the spread. No, they, and then they, and then they went to overtime against the Texans. They struggled against the Broncos near the end of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I was more impressed with like things they did in the regular season, and some of that is the Mahomes injury in the playoffs. Like I do think that there's like a Chiefs fatigue. Um, that that is happening, and so I do think over the next week and a half, we're going to see a lot of people like kind of come in. Like, and the Eagles, I do not share this opinion. I think non NFC East people like the Eagles. They view them as cool and fun, and like they have a lot of fun personalities. Like that that part's objectively true. There's going to be a lot of Eagles love coming in as like next week unfolds, especially because people are kind of like, I think like. You know, the Chiefs really went after Joe Burrow and the Bengals for like all the talk they did in their post games. Like, you guys are kind of like the pot calling the kettle black right now. You know what I mean? Like, and you won, so you deserve to do it. But like, the, I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is a weird Super Bowl for me. Uh, last thing on the Titans, because you kind of pushed back against that. And I get it. They, they fell apart clearly right. towards the end of the year. But 
I mean, about the, when the Chiefs played him in Kansas sure. City, and then we won by three points in overtime against Malik Willis, starting his first game, right? Who completed? Uh, who who or, threw like five passes that game? He, he completed five passes out of sixteen attempts for eighty yards. He did not complete a pass to a wide receiver, like you know, for for his much as the Titans fell apart, they're typically still were like a tough team, a team that, you know, we, and we said that going into the game, sure. they're going to play teams tough. That's typically what they do under Vrabel. He just kick the, their butts. Like for a team that had a tough reputation, the Eagles just like had their way with them. So kick uh, their I butts. definitely count that. Not a true. often used expression, um, but I do find it fu- just funny. It doesn't mean anything, but like that two of the teams who played both of the Super Bowl teams very tough were the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. Like, and I know that the Eagles kind of walked away or ran away with the game, you know, but like, what was it? It was yeah, close at like halftime. Yeah, but it was, yeah, they- it was like, it wasn't like close, but it was kind of like, huh, huh, you know, at halftime of that game. And obviously they, they went to overtime and the Colts beat the Chiefs and it took the Jalen Hurts touchdown at the end of the Colts game for the Eagles to win. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, kind of funny, like, you know, the way the NFL can be. Um, I want to ask you a question, uh, and I asked you this on Slack, but I want to have the conversation here um, because there's going to be a lot of coverage, and everybody check out BGN Radio and you know, BelieveInGreenNation.com for all the coverage, obviously, as the, the next two weeks unfold. But is this the – there's no loss, and you, you said this. There's no loss that sucks. Like, you lose the Super Bowl, so, like, it innately sucks, but, like, you're – as an Eagles fan, you've won a Super Bowl very recently, so there's nothing that can, like, destroy you, right? You can't be a Falcons fan after this. Mm-hmm. But the Chiefs – do like I think there is Chiefs fatigue because people are kind of like our our buddy stats once said something that I think about so often. He said we don't have to invent reasons why Patrick Mahomes is great, right? People, did you just change things you're drinking? Yeah, I'm some water. So you went from like a like coffee to water, like mid show. You have to hydrate because coffee is going to dehydrate you and it's going to make you tired if you don't drink water as well. I'm just saying, like it was a very strange thing to see two different cups show up all of a sudden. So I'm um, thirsty, man. But um. But people do that, right? Like people, like even the Titans win. Like, oh, Mahomes. Like it's, it's like, and he's like, we'll, we'll both like fully admit he's a great player. He's the most talented quarterback in the NFL. All objective fact and whatever. But like, there is like an overkill. You know what I mean? Of like exacerbating their greatness. And we talk about that all the time. We talk about how people act like he's already won five Super Bowls. And I think it would be very annoying to be the team that kind of gave him his second one and, and sent it into a different stratosphere. And that, like, whatever. Again, you're, you're, you're fine taking that risk because it's a Super Bowl. So, like, is does this set up the most annoying potential reality if the Eagles lose? Not really. I honestly don't feel that way. Um, I don't really care about the Chiefs. Like, it's not like a robbery. Like, I don't. Sure. Wow, we got to beat Andy Reid. Like, I don't. I never loved Andy as much as the people who really uh, did here in philly at the time i didn't hate him i was more indifferent i just felt like he was never my coach because i came into eagles fandom at a point where he was already here so like i didn't feel like Mm. i wasn't like attached to it where we came up together like he was kind of just like the um uh i don't know not i don't know if lame duck is the word but you know it's it's like a sitting president when you showed up i guess but you know it's like hey like when you're a head coach, let's say, and you inherit this quarterback, they're not really married to, but they're kind of like successful. So you have them around, but in an ideal world, you kind of get your own guy at some point. And there's just something Mm. special about starting fresh and being on the ground floor with that. I was never like that with him. So I'm a little bit more indifferent towards Andy. Uh, I was happy when they won the Super Bowl because like, cool, the Eagles can't win. Then why not? Sure. But he like, he's not Doug. Doug was your guy. Like to your, like, you know, the ground floor type of thing. I got you. Exactly. So it was just a different feel. Um, so I don't really, I don't really care. I'm not going to be upset if, oh, the Eagles lost to Andy. Like, how could they? Like, it doesn't really yeah, that's bother a, me. I don't know. And that sh- no one should be upset. He's like, and plus he's, he's like, a hall he's of fame great coach. head coach. Like, <laughs> so, like, and, and he's, he's like, 
his thing is being elite after the buy, and he gets a buy right. like to prepare for this, like of all things. So, yeah. I mean, it would be concerning if he just like ran circles around Nick Sirianni in game management because that is clearly not Andy's strength. Like that's an area, <laughs> and he's gotten better, I think, in that regard than he was in Philly. But that is not an area typically where he's as good. He's better to what you just said in terms of like the the preparation standpoint like in mm-hmm. making the game plan that he's elite no doubt but actual in-game management decisions not as good and you saw that late in the chiefs game at one point where they're like punting from 37 the opposing 37 yard line or whatever it was like he's just not the best at that kind of stuff where i think your boy rj nick Sirianni, deserves a lot of credit your boy is five and oh against the finalists for coach of the year and is not a coach of the year finalist himself um he's clearly not the only factor that really uh you know he's not the straw that stirs the drink alone in philly because you have so much talent here uh and there's a big uh, ecosystem of support in terms of analytics that being said he's still ultimately making the call to go for it when the eagles and 49ers are tied at 7-7 and they're at their own 34 yard line at fourth and one and that might seem like a no-brainer to go for it i think it is but like not, you, I, I feel. Well, like you don't face the that. consequence. You know, it's it's easy for you to say because like you don't have to live it with is, the result if they don't get it. But you can also say that what like most coaches do not go for that. That's fair to say, right? In that situation, and he did, and you know they should because they're basically unstoppable at sneaking the ball. But like that's that's huge. That led to a touchdown drive, the fourth and three early in the game where they really could have kicked a field goal, um, or it, it would have been a long field goal, short punt. They went for it and. That play, maybe more than any other play in that game, really kind of symbolizes what the Eagles are. And you can say, oh, it wasn't a catch. Well, first of all, it's an incredible effort by Devontae Smith to even make it look like a catch on that play. So you have to give him credit for Mm -hmm. that. And then him having the football IQ to instantly get up and do that signal that they have prepared to be like, hey, we need to get a snap off. By the way, Kyle Shanahan, just really dumb to me to not throw a challenge flag there. Because even if, like, he did catch it, why would you – it's just the – you're risking losing – a timeout and a challenge or you're risking giving up seven points maybe which, yeah, which like, would you rather it's, have it's worth that because it was fourth down you know what yes. I'm like it, that's like it's worth it if, if you can if you can effectively like you know like place the chip of your timeout and like spin the wheel and like turn the ball over you do it you know what i'm saying like it's, if it, it's worst case scenario versus best case scenario what's the worst exactly. case scenario you lose a challenge you lose a timeout okay is that really like the end of the game is that the end of the world versus you give up seven points seven points can very much be the difference in the game more than i think the challenge and the timeout did they i really don't know off the top of my head did, and i know the the you know the purdy injury changed everything but did they even go into halftime having spent all their timeouts i don't remember off the top of my head because if no if they, i don't think if so. they if they held a timeout you can look that up but like if they held a timeout at halftime or you know what i'm saying like if they didn't use all three then it's even worse you know what i'm saying because it's like you didn't even use the the timeout that you like were so worried about conserving there at the very end um, I'm trying to buy you some time. Well, you also um, don't even need challenges as much now anymore because some of these right. like reviews that kind of just yeah, happened. Yeah, like what what isn't like what what is the like standard play that you absolutely have to challenge? And it's like scoring plays, turnovers, like all the like important seismic moments are subject to review and naturally. Like what is the the play that you really feel like you need the second challenge for? I don't think they did call their timeouts. I'm looking here um, at the game log and I'm not yeah. seeing it, but yeah, yeah so, that makes it worse. Yeah, um, it's, just, it's dumb. So I, I want to say this. Let me be very clear. And I think I speak for the world that Nick Sirianni can be a bit much. All right. I think Eagles fans understand that and accept that, but embrace him as their own. And that's totally fair game. I'm I'm not going to fault you for that. But every we all know what's going on here. All right. Um, he 
walks and talks like somebody who has like a big army behind him, right? Like, I don't want to say like, he's like, it's like some sort of like complex, but you know what? He has a big army behind him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he has the analytics department. He has a talented quarterback. He has a talented offensive line. He has these playmaking wide receivers. He has one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. One of the best defenses overall, one of the best secondaries. Like he walks and talks like those are his players. And you know what? Like, that's what you should do. <laughs> like, like he's, he's somebody who like, people will say like, Oh, like they make analogies. Like, Oh, well he's, he's driving like a Corvette. Like, yeah, well, he knows how to drive it. You know, like not everybody knows how to drive that vehicle. Like some people would would like you know sit at thirty miles an hour. He fill it with so, the wrong gas too. Yeah, he yeah. is so down to like floor it, and I do respect that. And I will say this: I'm going to give you a gift. All right, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl for a mixtape episode of your choosing. I will wear a visor with a highlighter on it. You can pick which one. If you want it to be like the one after or like a random week in June, that's up to you. But if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, you get to cash that in for a mixtape right. episode. Thanks for that. I care about this very much. It'll be fun, I guess. Um, I think Sirianni gives the Eagles an edge. I think that's very clear. I shout out to Shil Kapadia. He I think like he he phrased that. He always phrases that when he talks about head coaches. And I think that is a very simple but true and effective way to evaluate coaching. Does this coach give this team an edge? And I think he does with the sports down decisions, among other things, uh, the culture, all of it. I feel like the Eagles have an advantage. And, and I said that going into the matchup against Kyle Shanahan. So I'm like, he's going to mess up game management stuff. We know what's going to happen. And sure enough, he did. And I trusted Sirianni not to do that. And also, I just think, how can you argue the Eagles are not a well-coached team? They're a well-coached team. I, um, so like, I'm going to say some, I, I'm, I'm still trying to like process this. All right. Um, again, on the Sirianni, like personality traits or whatever, he very clearly has tried to like embody the like hardcore Philly fan spirit within the team. Like, cheer me out. Like, that's fair, right? Like, it, it seems that he's tried to do that. I don't know how much I quantify that in sports, like whatever the team, like, and different teams are in different cities, have different cultures, whatever. But I don't think that the, the quantity is zero. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I do believe there is something, and I say this as an Astros fan, right? Like, I think there was something to the Astros, like, wanting to, like, middle finger the world, right? Like, you think our title didn't count, right? Like, you know, like, people are human, right? And so, like, I do think that that drove them to winning the World Series this past year, um, which is the only thing I have to cope, because I have to say, like, it came against, you know, the city of Philadelphia, so, you know, this, that's my, like, one thing. I do think there's something, I don't know if it's tangible, but I do think it's real to, like, the brazen nature that Nick Sirianni has, whether it's goofy or corny or whatever, if it helps, then who cares? You know what I'm saying? Like if it helps and they win the Super Bowl, then like don't apologize for it because it worked. You know what? If it was a bit, it worked. And who who can deny it if it worked? It's it's I a think, difficult thing to think about and admit. I will say that. I think there's something to maybe it's reminding me of how people talk about like Josh Allen is the perfect quarterback for right, right. Like embodies the fan base. It's like it's a perfect marriage of personalities there. And I think there's there's definitely something to that in Philly. Um, it is just kind of unique to me about how it's it's not just about the head coach here, clearly, because <laughs> Jeffrey Lurie has now seen three different coaches that have gone to the Super Bowl. That's pretty crazy. How about your uh, boy Howie, who you always Howie, hated on? I had Howie's back here on the mixtape. Two-time executive of the year by the uh, Pro Football Writers Association. Yeah, I mean, he deserves it. Again, this roster is stacked, and he's done a great job, and it's really impressive. I do think, you know, you make you get some luck along the way, but hey, 
Um, like, cause like, I don't think they drafted Jalen Hurts envisioning this exact scenario, but you did draft him knowing that maybe there was this level upside in, again, if we're looking at best case scenario, worst case scenario, maybe I believed in that. Um, I, I do think with Hurts, if we're going to transition to him, cause this was not his a game by any means. He hasn't even mm-hmm. been amazing in the playoffs. He was good at the beginning of the giants game and they didn't even really need him to carry yeah, the like, offense. I don't fault him for that cuz it he, it wasn't necessary for him to be good. Well, you he know started I mean? strong. He set right. the tone. He was literally perfect. He went 7 for 7 for 89 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And I do think there is something to be said for Hurts simply not turning the ball over against the 49ers because, you know, look at the previous game with Dak doing it twice and look at how the 49ers led the league in interceptions this season. So for him to not do that at all and really never even put the ball in harm's way, like that's if that's your worst case scenario is that your quarterback takes care of the ball, it's still a pretty good scenario to be able to to do that and not lose the game for you. And he did have some big runs in there. Um, one set up the final touchdown. So he was certainly not, I would I wouldn't say he was like bad by any means, but he wasn't super impactful as you may have, you know, liked to see as you know, let's say like Mahomes was. And let me be very clear. I think Jalen Hurts needs to have a very big game in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, but there is something to be said still as I've said all along the season for Hertz's composure and the way a team takes that personality on the intangibles there, it's really kind of crazy because I just, for years, I believed like all that stuff is not meaningless, but is so overrated just to get a player's leadership and like toughness. And what, Cause it's just, if they suck, that stuff doesn't matter. It just doesn't like, you can be the toughest guy or whatever, but if you, you can't throw the football to the player accurately, then I don't really care. But with Hertz, um, he's clearly gotten better, but I, again, I think he's just at a different level of those kind of intangibles where it actually has this impact. And look, they're sixteen and one with him as a starter, and the one game was like kind of you know an atypical game. You could whatever. say it was a loss. Like it's okay that he but lost. I'm just saying one it wasn't like games. they got blown out, and and it, like like the one loss is like okay, it was. A, I understood why they lost. I mean, he made some good completions down the field that were like objectively good throws that somehow turned directly into turnovers. It was like, like a little bit. You know, not typical, but whatever. It's a loss. They lost. But there's 16 and one of them as a starter this season. It's pretty crazy. I will say this. Um, I think the not meaninglessness of those intangibles is relative to how good you are as a team. Right? Like if if the Eagles, like again, like this is like worst case hypothetical, they lose a Super Bowl and then we're like oh and five to start next season, then it's like it, it's all stupid, right? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, Jalen quit doing this, man. We're all, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. But it's like if they keep if you're 16 and one, it's like everything is good. You know what I'm saying? Like, so some of it is that, and some of that, like, is the Nick Sirianni stuff, right? Like, some like it all everything is awesome, everything is perfect, everything is the smartest possible, whatever. If you're winning and you have the result, history is written by the winners. We say that all the time yeah. here. So, like I mean, it, there's there's no reason to doubt it at this point. The analogy, um, to kind of go back to the car thing, um, like Sirianni in the Corvette or whatever, that I would, like, Hertz has been the, like, you ever play Mario Kart and, like, you have such a huge lead and you get to the final lap and you're like, I don't need to do anything crazy. I don't, I don't need to, like, you know, look for the items. I just got to get to the finish line. That's It feels like he's playing that way. And I say that, like, in, in a good way. Like, it's wise of him to, like, be like, you know what? Like, we have a, a stacked roster. Like, all I got to do is just, like, drive this thing and get it through one lap and you know what he's gotten to this point that like if he has to like go all out or whatever in the super bowl it's the super bowls <laughs> so like you know like it you he's done the job i was looking right now because i kind of thought i remember this the last time he threw a touchdown to an against a non-giants team was that titans game just kind of been a weird you know mm. end which i think is why people were a little bit on edge or whatever but i mean yeah again, and that's you good. know some of that's like a little like weird because the Eagles will get to the red zone and they're so good at running it in there that they don't even need to right. throw it. And he's had rushing touchdowns in there too, which 
you know, count just as much as if he passes the ball. Um, he did have a rushing touchdown in this game. But again, I do think he needs to be better. I think the most concerning thing is, especially against a 49ers team that we said going into this matchup was vulnerable against deep passing. They allowed the most 50-plus passing plays in the NFL. They ranked sixth in terms of giving up um, yards specifically to the wide receiver position. And this is not a big passing attack day for the Eagles offense. They tried multiple times, just couldn't get it going. For the second week in a row, Hertz overthrew an open AJ Brown deep, mm. which you know, which is kind of weird because AJ Brown, you know, he's been ama- he's been amazing since training camp, but he's had a quiet playoffs, and that's not again all on him. If he's getting open, he's not getting heat hit on these deep plays. He should have had really two touchdowns so far, and you know, probably at least like I don't know seventy whatever yards in each game, if not more. Um, so that that almost maybe. I'm being silly, but that almost makes me more confident it's going to happen because it just feels like it's going to happen. Like law of averages dictate that like he's going to have a big game. And I feel like maybe it is in the Super Bowl. Maybe not. But um, I, I feel like the Super Bowl is going to be like this AJ uh, Hertz show. I haven't thought about the law of averages. Like what is the like, of course, thing that's going to happen in the Super Bowl? Like one of the of course things seems like there's going to be like a Mahomes play. I mean, and like to go back to the like annoyance thing, if it were the Cowboys here, I would be not like worried's not the right word because again you're in the Super Bowl like you said but like I guess the best way to put this is I would have had a much more fun time rooting for the Bengals against the, the Eagles than I am rooting for the Chiefs like I don't dislike the Chiefs but I would have like rooted for the Bengals you know the Chiefs is a little bit more closer to rooting against the Eagles like I don't like I don't have qualms with them but you know the Bengals are, are much more likable to me again like I don't mean to say the Chiefs are unlikable but like I'm just kind of worn out on it um and so like and if they win it will be like oh now Mahomes has two you know what I mean like it'll be all this stuff and and we kind of got that like I, I mean, I, I brought it up on Monday Football Monday. Like, I don't think he's ever played a playoff game wearing his white jersey. Mm. I, I was trying to think of, I've been trying to ask Steven. I can't, I can't find an example. So that's, if I were the Eagles, I'd wear green just to put him in something he's technically literally uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, why not? And they will. They were, I, you asked me this on uh, Monday Football Monday. They're going to wear. I mean, at least I'm very confident they will. Maybe that's actually been announced by the time we're recording this. I was looking back at. Or by the time it goes out. It, yeah. Well, especially because they. I remember uh, when the Eagles played in the Super Bowl, they announced it like the Tuesday after they won the championship game. So maybe we'll um, see that. So, okay. The bigger and- question, sorry, real quick, is the socks. What socks will they get? Will they go with like the white socks or the black socks? We'll see. Uh, the Eagles? Yeah. My my suggestion, would, if you're going green tops, white bottoms, jersey, pant wise you got to go black socks That's my i think suggestion. they did black if i'm not mistaken they did black socks in the super bowl they won so i feel like you would have to kind of yeah it, um, it blew yeah, up in their face did. but i or i don't know i mean they lost but i loved how all the chargers wore black cleats in their playoff loss mm. to the jaguars that was kind of cool um i really like that so and i hope if we get green tops white bottoms i hope we get white tops red bottoms for the chiefs that's what i really want to see this is a good helmet matchup last year's helmet matchup sucked i like mm. you know like every all the sets and shows have the helmets it's a good looking helmet matchup i'm grateful the eagles are technically the home team i talked about that because of the logo thing i did not enjoy last year's helmet matchup it was disgusting mm. like i don't really like the rams helmet or the Bengals helmet like mm. you know it's just whatever i think they, they're I, unique i like that part about that they're unique but they'd be difficult to get autographed and I think I say that all the time about the Bengals helmet. Like, what would you like? Single. What do you do? Like silver it, sharpie. It doesn't. It's not like it's not like wax. You know what I mean? Like it's it's gonna not show up over the black parts. Like you would need it to be like a marker, not you know a sharpie. It would have to be like paint almost. Mm, I don't know. 
not really an autograph guy. I mean, uh, I give I, them out, but I don't, you know. I, I used to really, really covet autographs. I don't know at what point, like, a, a selfie with somebody became more valuable than a, an autograph. But that did happen, you know, over the course yeah. of life. I don't, I don't like bothering people. I don't know. Um, okay. So, obviously, uh, BGN, all things Super Bowl. Um, and, again, we'll have Pete Sweeney on from Arrowhead of Pride next week to talk about the Eagles-Chiefs matchup specifically. Uh, and, again, if you want to hear the Niners' angle on losing the NFC Championship game to the Eagles, head on over to the Gold Standard Podcast Network and our friend, Rob Stats Guerra. Um, do want to kind of get through some incidental things? I had a few things on the Google Doc that I'm sure you, I actually I thought this was kind of kind of me, you know, just shouting myself out. Um, I did a lot of the like clerical and logistical work for this episode because mm. Brandon is covering a team in the Super Bowl. So I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to be like a, a good friend, a good teammate here. Yeah, I'm not ready to do any kind of like Super Bowl prediction thing yet. I don't you know I'm all about the vibes, as you know, as the listeners know, but I don't really have a strong vibe feeling on this game yet. I think part of it's just it's so far away. In my mind, like I have so much to do before <laughs> this game is played that I'm not ready to think about it yet. Um, but that's where I'm at. Um, quick piece of news related to the NFL. I uh, just saw this Ian Rappaport noting that the Baltimore Ravens are expected to place the exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. Um, I did want to say one thing about this. Um, this game will be talked about a lot, obviously, you know, in the coming weeks. But it, this is also a preview of next week's regular season matchup. The Eagles, the all NFC East teams will visit the AFC West teams that they finished in the same place as um, in the 2020 regular, 22 regular season. So the Eagles will visit the Chiefs. The Cowboys will visit the Chargers. The Giants will visit the Raiders. And the uh, Commanders will visit the Broncos um, in 2022. So um, it will either be like this. This is a candidate, I suppose, to maybe be the week one opener. Right. We've seen that happen before. Uh, was was it the uh, Panthers Broncos? Right. That met on in the opener, the like season after they met, met in the Super Bowl. Like if the Chiefs, I could see that. Like if the Chiefs won, they're they're like banner raising night is against the Eagles at Arrowhead. That would really suck. But, um, you know, just kind of is what it is. Um, we'll see, though. Uh, yeah, we have a few more things to get to related to the division. Are you ready? Uh, last thing I want to say on the Eagles is Hassan Reddick. Got to uh, give him credit. I mean, he's been a beast. Um, what, what, what was the better move? In, like, if you had to pick one, it's, Hassan it's Reddick Hassan. or, or A.J. Hassan. Brown? Especially because you just had to give him money. You know what I mean? If you're right. counting – not that A.J. was bad. This is clearly like a 1A, 1B kind of thing. But it has to be Hassan because you just gave him money. And it was a good deal. I don't think he's – I was looking at his contract recently. I don't even think he's like a top 15 player in terms of edge money. He's 19 and a half sacks in 19 games. That's insane. He's been incredibly productive. These are like high-quality sacks to like game-changing plays. Right. I mean, he's been a beast. Like – it's kind of crazy how it's probably crazy how he didn't like. I mean, he probably should be a defensive player of the year finalist. Like, I, I don't know. Um, like, I don't it, know about that. Like, it's some, kind like, of funny he, though. He gets penalized by people for playing on an elite defensive line, but I yeah. But look it, at his production the past two years though, too. Even like when he was playing for if, the well, Cardinals that's not related to this year and like defensive player of the year. But, but I'm like, saying it's not like this production is like fluky. Like he's been consistently doing elite productions like maybe this guy's actually good and not just you can't say the narrative of he's only good now that he's playing in a favorite right, right, right. but here's a take if the eagles win the super bowl he's the best free agent signing specifically in franchise history there's like, been there a are, lot of that i think there are better are... draft picks but like you know what i'm saying like another like trades or whatever but like as far as free agent signings and like the impact they had you could argue if they win the super bowl yeah. all you need is one year to prove that case and that's not like um you know uh the tallest short person like that is like because they signed Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins was like a huge part why they won a Super Bowl and is amazing like leader and player. 
and it was previously him, you know, that everyone said was like, you know, the best free agent signing. So that's, that's pretty crazy uh, to be in that consideration, that competition. Uh, but yeah, Reddick's been awesome. And look, if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, there's a very, very good chance that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the MVP. Like, who else would it be? Like, it's of the game, you mean? Yeah, it, right. Super Bowl MVP. Because, I mean, is it like it's? It seems like it'd be hard for Kelsey to win unless he has like five touchdowns or something. It's, like, in, it's rare. Like, and you actually have to play like quite poorly as a quarterback to not get it. Like, I thought. I, I thought it was ridiculous that Peyton Manning won it in Super Bowl yeah. 41. Wow. Uh, I, I thought they should have. Well, again, like some of it's the narrative, right? Like I, yeah. at, at the time, I mean, I was in high school. I remember thinking like they should have split that between Joseph Adai and Dominic Rhodes. Like they, they were what won the game for the Colts in the rain against the Bears. And if the Eagles win, there's kind of a bigger you know range of outcomes, who it could be. And I think Reddick would be probably like a good bet for if you're like, if you're going, especially trying to get value on those odds there, you probably right. like, it'd probably be a good value to, to put a bet on him because he could have a big game where he has like a couple sacks or worst humble and ends up being the deciding factor. And, I think uh, some of that just, just like, I don't mean to interject. Cause like, you know, all, all he does is interject, but like, it's just the way the Eagles play. Like you, like you said a little while ago, like they get down to the red zone. It's like, well, you know, we don't have to like force this issue. So like that could impact, say Jalen Hurts is candidacy to win MVP and like no offense to Miles Sanders or Kenny Gainwell like they're probably not gonna it has to be some sort of like star some sort of like prominent face um to win it so um Reddick's a good pick but if, if it's a chief that who is the non Mahomes Kelsey chief that could win it um like, like what, what what the path you can see like we're not just naming players like if you like it's a uh, it's a small path I mean, if Pacheco just absolutely went off on the ground, right. I guess. Like, or, or, or Chris Jones had like four sacks or something. Chris Jones, something yeah, Chris stupid. Jones is obviously uh, definitely a real contender. Um, That's it, though. If, like, yeah, I don't know. May, maybe like if Juju or MVS had like a, you know, like a six catch, two hundred nine yard game, three picks. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I don't. I just can't see it. But as far as Eagles, I would like possibilities obviously hurts i would put both aj and Devonte there by the way is Devonte smith the best player in the nfl that wears number six like can you even think of another off the top of your head who are the quarterbacks i can't even think like the, i can't think of another number six like the, the first one i think of is mark sanchez and then jay cutler and they're both obviously not playing um like it just hasn't it's not a really popular number yeah i don't know chris jones um the cowboys old punter used to wear number six i mean but that's like like the I'll only thing I can really think of. Like, there's you... not a lot of number sixes in the NFL. Like, I was, and I, I hate that. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be a fan of Devontae's, although he is my friend. I did interview, interview him ahead of the Super Bowl, the Espionation NFL show. Um, but like, Devontae's too good of a player to wear number six. That's my point. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think Whatever. it works for him. He's a unique player. Um, but yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Hertz, uh, Devontae, AJ, those are the offensive players. I would say have a chance. I think you could like the Eagles are like a vogue enough team to where like there's a there's a path where like Lane Johnson wins it. Like if Hertz is like never touched, you know what I mean? Like if if not if like it was a weird offensive performance with a lot of running, right? That's a possibility. Um, Slay. I, I was gonna say this too. Um, if we if we decided the two best moves the Eagles made in the offseason were AJ and Hassan in whatever order, number three is James Bradbury. 
like in in the stability he provided to the secondary. I mean, again, like learn from Howie NFL teams. Like, and I like there. I don't know how many times in the last like fifteen years it's been the, like the statement has been like the Eagles are doomed. It's going to take them ten years to get out of this. Like they're stuck. Blah blah blah. Like like you are never doomed. You are never stuck. If you are a fan of an NFL team and they are telling you that they are stuck, that they are limited, they are whatever, that is a lie. You can always think and adjust and adapt and get yourself out of it. Unless you're like the Washington football team, <laughs> unless until you sell your team, unless you unless you're just like like clearly egregiously awful ownership, then you're you're kind of stuck in that situation. But otherwise, by the way, Quandre Diggs a good number six for the, uh, the Seahawks. It's rare it's though. The, it's my it's been my the Pro point. Bowl in like, each of the past three seasons. The Pro Bowl stinks. We don't need the Pro Bowl anymore. Like I'm so sick. I you know what I I don't even want the games or anything. Just give me the roster and let it be like an accolade on players' resumes. But enough yeah. with this. Like you know we don't need twelve alternates. It's stupid. Uh, Brett Maher also a really good number. No, he, he did is that his current jersey number. He wore six though with the Saints. Okay, that's what I'm seeing here. He wore nineteen after that though. So yeah, um, I'm just looking okay. at a Pro Football Reference list of number sixes. Not a near, to your point. Yeah, not a lot of impressive names it's, here. It's not a, and it's like I I think that derivations of six are not popular because six is kind of a clunky number. Like there aren't there are some sixteens right? Like obviously like Joe Montana. Like there's is a little bit more popular. Twenty six is kind of you know you got your running backs, but like thirty six isn't that popular. Forty six, fifty six, kind of a cool linebacker number. 66 blah 76 blah 86 can you name an 86 i can name one oh i guess that's two i was gonna say steve smith that's it like and it's it's not and dalton schultz obviously but like it's like you can we could sit here and name like 50 81s 50 82s 50 you know 100 88s a lot of 80s even 89s kind of cool i said did i say 86 for steve smith no Mm -hmm. that's even wrong 89 but like it's cooler than 86 like 86 is lame like the six just doesn't better than both that's true. I mean, 88 is awesome. 80, 86 is the worst number that a receiver used to be able to have. So, whatever. Mm, um, I think 80. I don't like it. Well, it depends on the font. The Eagles font is the, the zeros look bad, but uh, also 19. Good. How about 19 for a quarterback? That's tr- this is like horrendous, right? I mean, who's who's out here wearing 19 as a quarterback? I mean, I agree. It's not great. Um, and some of that as is a quarterback. just a nine. As a receiver number, it's okay, but as a quarterback, it's awful. But but some of that is like that the nine is the upside down six. You know what I mean? Like and so nice, go. like proverbially. But like you know, it, it's just uh, it's it's whatever. Um. So yeah, like I I don't want to like Devonte. You know what I mean? Like I don't dislike him, but like if he was like number like one or n- number like eight, well, you know what I mean? Hurts. Like number like uh, you know number I don't know like eight. He'd be such a good eighty-one. He'd be an awesome eighty-one. No, he's but, too small for eighty-one. 11. He'd be a great 11. You know what I mean? 13, well, 14. Yeah. Um, okay. Some things to fly through as it relates to the division. Um, Cause this is the NFC East mixtape. Uh, we've talked about this a lot at blog on the boys, uh, but just to kind of you know tie a bow on it. Since we last spoke, Brandon, Dan Quinn back as defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. It's his third season in the post. Uh, Very interesting. It's way more surprising than it was a year ago that he stuck around. It was still surprising then. It's just all the more surprising now. Um, And a few days after that, Kellen Moore was announced. Actually, like maybe like 30 minutes in real time after the Eagles won the NFC. uh, It was reported by the Dallas Morning News that Kellen Moore would be out as the Cowboys offensive coordinator. Uh, it was termed a mutual parting of ways, uh, but he had time left on his contract, so that is technically a dismissal, a firing, whatever you want to call it. Um, and very quickly, he was hired by the Los Angeles Chargers. So he is going to work with your boy and Twitter's boy, 
Justin Herbert. Um, Dallas is going to move forward in a world where Mike McCarthy will call the plays. They, of course, do have to hire an offensive coordinator and name. My take on this um, and like mock or whatever, if you want, not you specifically, but like I'm not saying this is going to like be wonderful, but you have to see Mike McCarthy call plays. If, if you went the entire and, and I've said BTB years have heard this. Like, if you went the whole McCarthy era, however long that winds up being without seeing this guy who everyone can make fun of his career, but who made his way on the offensive side of the ball and who was so successful in every way calling offensive plays. If you never had that happen, that would be a huge failure. So I am excited that we get to see that. And it, it may not work out, but I, I'm excited that we're at least going to know whether he is part of the solution or part of the problem. Yeah, you did say this like last offseason. Just let him fall on his own sword, basically. If he's right. going to go down, let him go down because he his went. Way. It, it's kind of like how things I think about it with Chip back in 2015. It was like, okay, is it is it amazing that you're giving your head coach personnel power? Typically, that doesn't work out. But if he fails, we all know it's Chip's fault and he has to go. There's no other one. You can't hide behind anyone else. There can't be another scapegoat here. It's Chip's. Either the Eagles are good because of Chip or they're bad because of Chip. And now a different situation, but similar kind of uh, mythology or thinking or mythology, myth, not mythology, methodology uh, to the Cowboys giving Mike McCarthy this control and now saying, okay, uh, you have to fix Dak. Like, you know, we can't have another season like we did where he's leading the league in interceptions. It's, you, you have to get this thing back on track. Um, I think the Dan Quinn thing is a little funny from a standpoint of like, well, he just decided not to take a job. I mean, it's clear. I don't, I mean, to me, it seems clear that he's like, he's not, no one's like beating down his door with, oh, we, we, we must have you, Dan Quinn. And he's just like, nah, I'm good. Like, that's I think really it's, not the case. I think it's a case of multiple things being true. I think it's that maybe he, I do think he's one of the more coveted names, but I think part of it is like, this is kind of a down cycle, right? Like, you know, like, was like Frank Reich was the first coach hired. If you had needed a head coach, would he have been number one on your list? No. I mean, no offense, but like, he wouldn't have been. Would have been. Uh, Probably D'Amico Ryan's and like, yeah, it's amazing that he's going to choose the Texans and like, and, and so I don't, I think it's amazing, but then I think it's not well, amazing. It, it makes sense because of the draft they have a good capital. Outlook relative to these other teams, you know, at least right. Like the they have the draft pick, capital. Pick. They, yeah. They play in a lowly division, right? Like, you know, Easterby is like, gone, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but you know, uh, Casario is still there. So, I mean, still whatever, but still like it's all the reason in the world to feel like you can remake that. And plus there's a like homecoming element for him specifically. Um, but so like, even if Frank Reich is your number two, like that's what I'm saying. Like Dan Quinn is like one of the top three, top five candidates, and there are five openings. Like, I mean, I like I'm not in love with Sean Payton. I've made that very well known. But even if you were, like, you have to give up enormous yeah. compensation to get him. Like Which he's just so simply dumb. it is dumb. But like, and he him acting like he again, I don't want to get down lost in the weeds. But so like back to Dan Quinn. I think it's a case. I do think he's valued, but he may not be like, whoa, the number one guy. I think he also likes working with the Cowboys. I think the pressures of not being the head coach are a real thing. We, we see that with coordinators all the time as they get older that were head coaches. He gets to boost his resume, you know, coaching for a very visible team, having one of the best defensive players in the NFL and Micah Parsons. So like the opportunities are always going to be there for Dan Quinn, you know, because of Micah and because of the you know visibility of his team. And I think it's possibly true that he believes he is the like successor to Mike McCarthy if this does wind up failing, especially now with Kellen Moore officially out the building. Like if, if the Cowboys had to promote somebody, if they fired Mike McCarthy, it would obviously be Dan Quinn. It's just funny when you look at the success of, you know, let's say Doug and Sirianni, who are these relative unknowns at the time they were hired. Like no one else interviewed them. They didn't get interviews with other teams in their hiring cycles. And like you would give up like a first round pick and maybe more for Sean Payton. Like that just seems kind of crazy to me that you would give up something. If you're going to give up anything, it would have to be like 
Bruce Arians with the Bucks. They, I, they like swap. Yeah, like it was like a sixth round pick. Yeah, it was like sure, I, whatever. But, I don't want to do this because like people have done it mil- a million times, but like also the presentation that like you know like Nick Sirianni's been a head coach for two seasons, and but he's been a playoff team in both of them. He's been to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. at least once. He may have won the Super Bowl once, right? Like people over like people like. I'm not trying to turn this into like defending McCarthy. I've made it very well known. I think he's overhated and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like Sean, like overrated, people bag, I agree. P- people bag on McCarthy because like, well, you didn't win 100 Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers. Sean, like, he never went seven to nine three years in a row w- with him. The way that Sean Payton did with Drew Brees, like, people, people only remember the effects of the 2017 draft class for the Saints. Like, and I, I think about this so much, and we can talk about this in the offseason. There are some losses that are just as good from a legacy standpoint as wins. And I think examples of that are the Des Cotter game, right? That loss like, is a powerful memory for a lot of Cowboys fans. I think another example of that is last year's divisional round loss for the Bills. Like That, that loss propelled all of the overrating that happened to them in the offseason. And I think another loss is the Minnesota miracle that happened for the Saints. Like them losing that game, like made them this martyr to people and made like everybody associated with that team to be like better than they actually were. Like it's it's the like loss of opportunity that people cope with. I mean, you have Alvin Kamara saying they, they would have beat the S out of the Eagles if they advanced, which is just like the biggest loser thing of all time. We didn't. Like, you they, lost. they may that they may have. Like, fine, Alvin, you, you might have, but you, you didn't no right like, to say it. Yeah, you didn't, it did not like, happen. That's what I'm saying. It's like a, you can deal in hypotheticals and maze and mites, but it did not happen. Like, and the idea that like we were robbed. No, you weren't robbed. Like that's you. That was your player who missed that. You know what I mean? Like so. But it, like my point that that has happened to Sean Payton. Like that mystique has like built him up to be better than he is. So like whatever. But this is about uh, Dan Quinn. Kellen Moore. To get it back to him, uh, I guess. Like, what do you think are the chances that Dan Quinn is the Cowboys' head coach? Because it does seem like that's part of why he wants to stay. Uh, because he I mean, feels like there is some chance he could be the head coach there. Not, it, not, it lives. not like immediately. I'm saying, I guess, after this season. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's part of what I think the, that's, you know, why go to Denver when you don't what have chance? to move? What like, percentage that's what I'm saying. Like, think I mean, it depends. To the Cowboys next, entering next season. Not, it, not, it all depends on the success of the offense, right? Like, I mean, it depends on what McCarthy is able to do and, and to a large degree what Dak is able to do. The thing I'm so interested to see this offseason, the Cowboys built Dak Prescott's contract to be able to restructure it this offseason and alleviate cap space, not a foreign concept by any means. But if they don't do that, I think it would be unwise of them to not do that. But if they don't, they leave themselves an out in 2024. Um, you know, and it's, I, again, I would disagree with that, but it's not unfair to, to like, want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, like, again, people live in these extremes where it's like, he is amazing or he sucks. Like he's a, a top 10 quarterback. He's a very good quarterback who plays in elite ways for some windows, but the inconsistencies as of late are certainly very troubling. But if it would be not unfair for the Cowboys to say, we really want to see it again in 2023 before we like do this or whatever. So I, I think it would be part of an overall reset in 2024. If it didn't work out, you could know beyond a shadow of a doubt. McCarthy wasn't it. We're going to move on from Dak, blah, blah, blah. Maybe Dan Quinn's the guy to do that, but maybe it's not. Like, you got to stop, like, keeping one foot in and one foot out. Like, yes, the, the great, way, like, great. The, I'm so glad you way, said that. Yes. The, like, would it be cool to head into 2024 if McCarthy's gone and Dak has gone with Dan Quinn? On the surface, yes. But, like, they went into the McCarthy era with Kellen Moore. And granted, I think highly of Kellen, but, like, that was unfair in a literal sense to McCarthy. And, like, the Garrett era began on a left foot as well. He was hired mm-hmm. before Wade Phillips in 2007. Like, at some point, let one the, let the most important person come in and, and start from day one. Like, quit right. putting them behind the eight ball from the very beginning. 
yeah, you don't need to have your coach in waiting in the building already. You don't have to do that. I, I, I don't. It can happen. There could be there could be scenarios where an interim head coach or whatever there's a successor in the building and it can work out. That can happen, but it does not have to happen that way. And I feel like the Cowboys almost think it has to happen that way. Like we have to have our guy ready, as opposed to it's like, like we can. It's like always trying to have like the, like it's cool if you have the what next whatever next quarterback next blah 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 like the Packers with Jordan Love. Like it's cool in a perfect world. Yeah, you always have like fallback options. And at the very least, if the Cowboys do have, I always thought it was silly that that Mike McCarthy could be fired midseason this past year, even before. And you know that I said that here. I, I don't think that is impossible this season. Like if it were to be so bad, it's not. A, and, and you at least have Dan Quinn to fall back on for that, right? Like if things went bad, you have a, a you know, a secondary option to be your head coach um, for this upcoming season specifically. Um, but while Dan Quinn's back again, we kind of got to get through this stuff. Kellen Moore's gone as are seven other staffers. Um, and a lot of them close friends of Mike McCarthy, Joe Philbin, uh, Rob Davis, et cetera, et cetera. Um, six of the people dismissed uh, simply did not have their contracts renewed. If we're being literal, it's different than being dismissed. Um, Kellen Moore and Doug Nesmeyer, though. Uh, Real quick on that, I think coaching contracts are typically two years for assistance. So, yeah, I mean, they, that's when McCarthy came in, right, two years ago, was it? Three. Or no, three. Well, maybe it's like two or three, whatever. But, yeah, there's it's that's standard for contracts to run out like that. So, um I don't know who their offensive coordinator will be. There are a lot of options and it's, I think the most likely archetype is like a McCarthy guy, right? Because if he's going to call plays, right? Like he just, you know, I don't mean, I don't mean to say like the job is meaningless or anything, but like it's, it's McCarthy being offensive. Ben McAdoo, baby. Um, that's one of the possibilities. <laughs> Tom Clements is a possibility who did call plays for him in 2015 for a stretch when he gave it up. Um, you know, there's some internal promotions. Um, Scott Tolzien I, is on the Cowboys staff. I mean, like, there are different names. Um, I think ideally you should go, like, a little bit out of the box, though, and not just hire someone Mike McCarthy knows. Someone, you know, from, I don't know, something creative, something new. Someone maybe from the college ranks or, you know, a. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm not saying literally this person, but something like, you know, the Steel, how the Steelers always have amazing wide receivers? Maybe hire, like, the Steelers wide receivers coach or, or like, something like, something like Something creative, something fresh, something you know, innovative. We um we've obviously done a lot of things about this subject as of late at Blog and the Boys. So you know, for any Cowboys fans or whatever fans that want to see that, you can listen to the Blog and the Boys podcast network or check out our YouTube channel. But something I said, um, and look, like have fun, whatever. Like again, if you're an Eagles fan, you deserve the right to gloat. But like, I I, I still maintain that Dak Prescott is a top ten quarterback. We can sit here quibble whatever, but at some point, some of this or a lot of this has to be Dak's fault. Like, we can't just sit sure. here and be like, oh, well, Scott Linehan was fired and Jason Garrett was fired and Kellen Moore was fired and blah, blah, blah. And it can be true that they there was merit to fire all those people that wasn't related to Dak. But it can also be true that, like, the common denominator amongst them is Dak. And so right. um, Dak is not without blame. Dak is not without fault. I said that a week ago. This is an offseason where there is nowhere to run, nowhere to hide for him. And that I, I that's what I like the most about McCarthy taking over play call. Like, there is nowhere to run. There is nowhere to hide. And I certainly don't say that in, in the sense of like wanting him to fail, but I, I say it in the sense of wanting to learn, wanting to understand so that, you know, either they win the Super Bowl or they we know that that is not going to be the case and they can move yeah. on. Yeah, there's no ambiguity. Right. Um, also, I wanted to get to this. Um, this is a great way to kind of tie it back to things. Um, there's not a lot of Giants or Commanders news. I guess maybe Mike Kafka is going to get a coaching job. I don't know if that's going to happen yeah, or not. A lot of interviews. But... And then uh, that, that's Martin like the Dale only thing. Yeah, that's like the biggest thing going on with the Giants. Oh, but uh, actually, as we segue into tweets, uh, what did you make of Kayvon Thibodeau's tweet? Which one? 
where he said that like he tweeted during the title game. I'm gonna find it actually right now. Um, buy me Something some time. about like the 49ers were like yeah, buy me some time. Buy me some time. We did. We weren't getting beat as bad as the 49ers did. Which, buy me some time. Seems like a BLE player to me, if we're being honest. Um, um, we did to Nick Foles and other among other things, and going back to the pre-draft stuff. And you talked about when he was on that podcast uh around the nfl guys and kind of a weird vibe yeah i'm not i don't know i'm not in on him as a personality uh i'm still looking um loser vibes to him um i'm still looking for that one um where uh okay here it is uh way this game look we might be better than the 49ers that was the tweet that upset a lot of people he also said, who are you Hang on. to... So, okay, well, so I'm getting there. I'm going in chronological order. Gotcha. Uh, so that was the first one. Um, and then he was like kind of responding you know, with a lot of people. Um, this, I think we agree with. He said, it's sick how you can come this far all for nothing. But then again, that's why we love it. Like, that oh, is true. Yeah. Like, you know, So, so I, I liked yeah. this too. He said, referees should have post-game interviews. Now, there is the pool report, but I do think yeah. that like there should be some accountability there. So I'm, I'm with him on that. The pool um, report is very like, quick, though. It's not like right, you right. Know, rigorous. It's like you get like one or two questions, I feel like. Um, so Joe Staley is what you're talking about. Um, friend of our friend, Rob Statsgrass. So kind of like, you know, we're two degrees away. Um, he quote tweeted the tweet that Kayvon had where he said that, you know, they looked like they were better than the uh, the Niners. Joe Staley quoted that and said, you're, and by the way, Joe Staley said, you're, you are, you know, Joe, just type the whole word. The Giants out, lost you know? by 31 points. Okay. Like, so Joe, I'm talking about? Joe Staley said, you're a flash player who gets bodied by average tackles. Dead. Don't let the New York media affect you too much. And then Kayvon quoted that tweet and said, who are you, bro? Dot, dot, dot. And then he added a follow-up tweet, like a new organic tweet and said, I don't care how famous you think you are. If I don't know you, dot, 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 I don't know you. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. The, um, what do you I'll think just, about I, the Empire State Building? Turning green and dude, white. what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> that, like, is the, what? that is her. That was. That is. I would be so pissed if I was a Giants fan. But that just was it. To, was there any explanation? It's not like, a real football town. It's not a real football town. Was there explanation given? Like, like that they offered. Like, it, like I, the, I imagine it it's like it's a it's a worldwide do... building. Whatever. Like, blah blah blah. Is that what it well, is? They did the Chiefs too. I don't know if you saw that. That's stupid. So like, they were just gonna do both, but that's so. <laughs> you don't have to do any. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Like if, I mean, it's different, but like if the city of Pittsburgh wants to do something and you sell up like um, along no. these lines, is, well, no, but like, hear me out. Like that's less offensive or less stupid. You know what I mean? Like the city of Dallas after the Astros won the world series, like lit up and said like, congrats. You know, it's like you're in state, whatever. Like if there's at le- very least like an incredibly loose connection that you have to those people. But like, this is literally a rival and literally a team who knocked you out of the playoffs. Yeah, um, the week so, before. Yeah, that's terrible. But I, I love so. it. It's so good. And, um uh, last thing maybe part of it was just because they have the green and white for the jets i don't know i mean i'm sure they have all the colors brandon like, <laughs> like i don't think it's like oh well we happen to have these colors laying around they only, uh, they only have so but, many colors in the budget um last thing tweet, by the way that we're like we're, we'll see you at the super bowl or it's it's very funny when brands tweet to me it's like is the empire state building itself gonna be at the is it gonna go to the super bowl is it gonna no, be in I, the stands I, I, I saw that. I think that's like a tease for like a commercial, like a Super Bowl commercial. Like gotcha. the way we saw the like, like Eminem's thing last week. Like, yeah. why do we need to like promote the Empire? Like what? So you go, like go there? I got I don't know. It's strange. I don't like whatever. Uh, Does the last Empire thing State I wanted... Building need a Twitter account? 
who runs it? You know, what I mean? like building. what do you tweet? Like what do you tweet? Who like you... the images of the building? Hey, like, if you're really like... tall today. <laughs> uh, well, you could tweet that since you're uh, yeah, six foot five. Six foot nine, but right. any uh, anyway, um, last thing is a tweet. Uh, Micah Parsons stirred Cowboys fans up. I don't know if Ooh. you saw this. I I will say this. I love that Micah is such a football fan. It's, it's like it's, it's, and but as somebody who is is a great player for my favorite team it's cool that he's like always watching like monday night football or thursday night football right like that's cool um that being said i respect that micah has a you know has favorite players players who he admires whatever he obviously knows lane johnson very well and like goes against him and so he has a different level of respect and admiration for him than any of us could achieve uh but the line that bothered people i don't know if you saw this he tweeted it, it, it and said go win a super bowl for our division no. Whoa, uh-uh. I didn't even see that. Holy yeah, crap. No. What the heck is that? No. I, I don't even like that as a I don't want I, like I don't want Cowboys fans to be rooting for the Eagles. That doesn't make sense to me. Like if you were rooting for the Eagles in the Super Bowl, that would make me less excited because then it's like, no, this is supposed to hurt you. You're not supposed to like this or enjoy this. Um, no, he tweet so the tweet reads, he tweeted it um late. So first he tweeted, I don't think people realize what Lane Johnson is doing right now. Freaking heroic, yeah. one of my favorite players in this league. Totally fine with that. Like uh, that's super fair game. Like up is against it, him, it's respect. That's what I'm saying. Like, is, and, and you want to build like, up your opponent too, because then when you beat them, it's more impressive. You're like, wow. Yeah, but like, like is it sl- dude. is it slightly annoying? Maybe, but like again, like whatever. Like super cool with that. So Lane, I, I guess you didn't see this. He quote tweeted that with the handshake emoji. Mm-hmm. Um, so Micah responded, "Love you, big bro." Again, super cool. Keep going. Not many like you. Definitely not playing like you healthy or with a torn groin. Go win a bowl for our division. No, any sense. No, although, but Mike is an Eagles fan. You know that he is deep down. He is. Do not went to the Phillies World Series. He's from the area. That's so dumb. The penalty likes the Eagles. (laughs) So silly. He's He's from the area. Well, I mean, Jalen Hurts is a Cowboys fan. He had the Cowboys uh, locker thing growing up. So again, like I, even if he was an Eagles fan growing up, like I, I actually would hate that less. If he was like, you know what? I grew up an Eagles fan. Like I play for the Cowboys, you know, so I understand this, but like, you know, I grew, I grew up an Eagles fan, so I won't be mad if they win it. Like I would, I would like, you know, I, I could deal with that, but the like for our division, nah, I like, there's no divisional pride. Like that's, that's the part no, that I get. Other than what we joke about here on the podcast and like, Hey, the NFC beast that we created and there's no losing team other than like stuff like that. No. Yeah. Um. Okay. Anything else that we want to say? There was no commanders. Uh, still news no whatsoever. news really on the commanders. I think they're they're interviewing Anthony Lynn and now um certainly for their OC position though. I believe. Yeah, which right. again, just the candidates for that job. Nah, I mean like really Anthony Lynn, like really that's the best you can do. And it is I do think but I think we went too great. far on Anthony Lynn a little bit, especially like when you look at like some of the mistakes and Brand- I don't mean like Brandon Staley like sucks, but like Brandon Staley's not perfect. You know what I mean? Like so like some of it is I'm I'm willing to kind of re-examine, I guess. But yeah, I'm not like, I think worried about this. The commanders are gonna have because they're gonna release Carson Wentz, obviously, and that's gonna clear up a lot of cap space. If I'm not mistaken, they're gonna have the most cap space. Or no, I guess the Giants. The Giants have 44 right now, because the, the cap was set, obviously, if you didn't know that, by the way. So were the so were the tag values, which is important yes. for Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and maybe yep. Tony Pollard. We'll see. So, you know, commanders they because they currently only have six. Point six million, but you know, releasing Wentz is going to free up like like a big chunk here. It's actually going to free up um, twenty six because none of his salary is guaranteed. Uh, if I'm not, if I'm looking at this correctly, so uh, you know, some some room to work with. But 
that's all about that's all about I have on the commanders as their ownership situation continues to uh, kind of linger out there. Um, I don't have anything else. Um, I will offer my official Super Bowl 57 prediction next week on yeah. the NFC. It's, it's just it's so much time. Like, well, I don't need to predict the game now. Well, I'm like, things can change. Like, you know, what is like, I, I don't think there's like an injury that's going to like swing massively, but like every player In that's theory. hurt is going to, yeah, I mean, like, whatever. Um, oh, are you bothered that the Kelsey's mom wears Travis's jersey on the front? No. I think Jason has said she likes Tra- Travis more. <laughs> Not that like she hates him, but I think you know he's the he's the he's the baby. He's the little brother. So yeah, I think there's something to sure. that. From my understanding, again, I'm an only child. Um, but I think you know seeing that that dynamic before, where the youngest child kind of gets more of the affection, the attention, like that. I, well, maybe, I get it. Maybe it's also literally true in that sense. Or like the jersey technically goes like you know if you go if you look at it like back to front, right? Like so you started with the older one, you move mm-hmm. forward frontwards. Um, Okay. Uh, looking forward to next week. Brandon, Should be good. Give us, give us anything you want, and then we leave. Anything you want. Uh, I mentioned this on BGN Radio, which is why the company Esti E S T I E or sorry E S T I uh, sent me a bunch of hummus and dips and snacks. Um, but man, an elite combo is taking. And if you can't get that hummus, because I think they're more local to New Jersey area. Just find a really good hummus and get, I don't know if these are national or you can get them around, but it's a pretzel. It's like a hard pretzel as a snack brand called Unique. And uh, you get the extra salty if you like the salt. If not, you can, you know, obviously cater to your preference there. But I just think it's an elite combo and I'm not inventing that, but get a really good hummus, get a really good pretzel to dip that in. Man, it's got everything going on. You get the texture, the crunch. You got the temperature contrast. I, I like it. It's great. Also, it's if you want some beef jerky for the That's big right. game, head to righteousfelon.com and use discount code BTB15 or BGN15. Yeah. Blogging the boys or BGN15 to support BGN. And I have this on good authority, RJ, that the Eagles at their hotel in Arizona for the Super Bowl specifically ordered right to sell on craft jerky to like have for the hotel like like a lot they want it like stocked up because they well, that's, I mean, that, that's an official i mean that's a snack it's, that they it's an have. official we don't say this on this show it is an official snack of that is accessible to both eagles of the, well, okay. i don't know if that's it is, true but okay. the players it is, an, eat it is a it. snack that, that is yeah. it, that is accessible to both yep. the eagles and the cowboys at their training facilities that is 100% like the players like it a lot yep right. um all right let's peace uh get some nelson mandela Later.